0: Welcome to the Blast From Our Past podcast. We're the podcast that gives you old ninjas from the 90s. And we put them together when we fight them. And we actually just talk about them. And we talk about the shows and the movies that you loved and we loved from the 80s, 90s, and really whenever. I'm Adam. I'm John. And today we have a martial arts themed episode that was kind of brought to you by Jody Sellers, a good friend of mine and a good friend of the podcast. He always helps promote pretty much anything that we put on Instagram or whatnot. He also shares. He's a fantastic listener and he has highly requested us do the Power Rangers multiple times. <laughs> He's almost gotten on his hands and knees and begged me to do Power Rangers and so we're doing them and we thought what would go well with Dressed up people fighting other random dressed up people then some dressed up people fighting other random dressed up people in Mortal Kombat. So we put together Mortal Kombat is our movie that we're going to do a full review of. And then we are going to talk about the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. And then we are going to do a recasting of Mortal Kombat because this movie should get a reboot. Yes, it should. Yeah. It's it's
1: it's due for a reboot. And I don't say that often. I'm yeah. not a big fan of a lot of reboots. Yeah. This one, for as much as I genuinely, nostalgically feel for it, probably could use an
0: update yeah so uh, one thing I want to call out is a big thanks to Tim 6477362784 for giving us a five-star review on iTunes that's very awesome we very much appreciate it because itunes is still how probably most people listen and when you give us a rating and a review on itunes it kind of bumps us up to other people can find us a little easier so tim seven six four seven seven three six two seven eight four said these guys are very entertaining and have a cool approach to reviewing the past simple short loved it thank you so much tim six four seven seven three six two seven eight four we very much appreciate your review thanks tim (laughs) Six, four, seven, seven, three, four, eight, two, one, four, two, whatever. All right. So Mortal Kombat, it came out in 1995. What else happened in 1995, John? A lot of good stuff happened in 1995. That
1: year at the Grammys, best new artist went to a plucky little band called Hootie and the Blowfish. Oh,
2: sometimes you're crazy, They you wonder why I'm such a man.
0: Last week, I was still listening to Cracked Rear View. That album is fantastic. Admittedly, they were kind of the Nickelback of their time. Yeah but when you go back and listen to the music it's not really that bad no it's good it's it's, it's positive it's just kind of like just kind of feel good music some of it is actually fairly deep if you actually list, uh, pay attention to the lyrics i am a definite fan and yeah like i said i still listen to that first album particularly that first album is my favorite it's one of the albums that you can go through and listen from top to bottom and i don't skip a single song you know you get a couple of those for me a couple of those albums are things like Green Day Dookie or Better Than Ezra's Deluxe Mm -hmm. or yeah Hooting the Blowfish Cracked Review like those kinds of albums I just I refuse to skip anything
1: I don't know if this is going to be kind of controversial but on their best of album that came out like in 2004 they had a live cover of bill weathers use me that they did with uh edwin mccain honestly it's one of the best covers of any song i've ever heard and and i was shocked when i heard it because it's 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 unexpected
0: I know exactly what you're talking about. I love that version. It's got a lot of funk to it. Bill Withers is, you know, one of those artists who a lot of people feel is a little untouchable, but their version of Use Me, it's it's right up there. It's right up there. It's really good. I really enjoy it. At the Oscars that year, best picture went to
1: a tiny little picture called Braveheart.
2: Would you be willing to trade all the days from this day to that for one chance, just one chance to come back here and tell our enemies that they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom.
0: Oh yeah, love me some Braveheart. Yeah, that's probably in one of my top ten. I haven't watched it in a few years, but yeah, it makes me cry pretty much almost every time when he is on like the torture rack and he screams freedom.
2: freedom!
0: getting his balls put, Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. When he's getting his, it makes you feel. You've gotten yeah, hit in yeah, the balls before, I've gotten hit in the balls before, but the emotion in, in that freedom scream, it gets you. Yep. Uh, this is
1: the only year I can say this. Our favorite baseball team, the Atlanta Braves, <laughs> won the World Series <laughs> that right. year. Woo! <laughs> the
0: one fucking year, uh, yeah, uh, the year after the lockout <laughs> that they had, unfortunately, they should have won more. And the Braves should have won in what ninety eight. They should have won in like what ninety two. There's, or... there's lots of yeah. should haves.
1: <laughs> lots of should haves with our favorite team. Yeah. Uh, also, in that year, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame opened in Cleveland, Ohio. And nineteen ninety five was the year that Dolly the sheep was cloned. Oh yeah, we haven't heard much about.
0: Cloning since Dolly. Well, other than Barbara
1: Streisand just cloned her dogs.
0: Oh, you know what? Yeah, that did pop up Yeah, Yeah. that's right. But Dolly sheep uh, lived for seven years, so okay. Is that that regular for sheep? I don't know (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that's actually pretty short for sheep, but
1: uh... well, it's I mean for a clone that seems like it's pretty good I guess so. I don't know and that's what happened in 1995.
0: That's a cool enough year. Nice. Good stuff, John I guess we'll uh, kick our way into Mortal Kombat (laughs)
1: What?
0: Mortal Kombat from 1995, it stars Christopher Lambert from Highlander, the series' fame as our Raiden, Robin Shu as our Liu Kang. He didn't do too much else, he was in the sequel, Mortal Kombat Annihilation, which we are never going to get to. We are never going to review that movie. Maybe we'll do like a bonus episode where we just watch it and make rip it apart. But it's not one that that is going to hit this podcast very much, I don't think. Uh, And then he was also in Beverly Hills Ninja with Chris Farley. Lyndon Ashby as Johnny Cage, who's done a bunch of stuff but nothing crazy big. And then Carrie Hiroyuki, Tagawa. As Shang Tsung, he's a fantastic actor. You
1: see him pop up in different things. He's always really good.
0: Yeah, he's right now. He's been in uh, the Man in the High Castle, which I don't know if you've checked that show out at all. I haven't, but I wanted Ugh, to when good. it first came out. Is yeah, it? I only watched the first season. I haven't kept going just yeah. because there's so much good shit right now. But a very interesting take on like you know potential past slash future. Right. But Kerry Tagawa is an amazing actor, and he's. I'm just. I'm not even gonna. Go any further without saying he is the best part of this movie for me. <laughs> I love his Shank song, and it's it. When we get to the casting, it was hard for me to think of like other people who could be as good and intimidating as Carrie Tagawa. But oh, whatever. Moving on, uh, we also have Bridget Wilson Sampras, who is Sonia Blade, yeah. and probably best known to us as Veronica Vaughn. <laughs> that Veronica Vaughn is one piece of ice. From Billy Madison. From from Billy Madison, which actually came out the exact same year in 1995. She's married to Pete Sampras, or if she was, I don't know if they're still married. I don't know. Who is a tennis legend, specifically in the 90s. They are still married. Oh, cool. Good for them. Way to go. Props to you, Bridget Wilson Sampras and Pete Sampras. You have all of our love, and we give you the warmest, sincerest... Eh, Fuck it, I don't care. Uh, All right. (laughs) (laughs) This movie was directed... By Paul W.S. Anderson, who is probably best known for directing the entire Resident Evil series. He's done some other... So it's like, he's definitely an action director, and this is one of his earlier feature works. Also did Event Horizon. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, he's an action guy. Yeah. Obviously, if you knew anything about the 90s or video games, you know this... Movie was based on the video game, Mortal Kombat, which in our Sidekicks review, John let us know was the first video game that really helped prompted the the video game kind of like MPAA ratings uh, because that one was so bloody and it was so fun and violent and yay violence in video games. (laughs) This movie is based on that. This movie, not all that violent. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, 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 We'll talk about it. it gets in our casting. When we do a recasting and a reboot, I want this movie to be an R-rated movie. I agree. I wish, going back and watching this one, I wish this was an R-rated movie. But it's, you know, it it was PG-13. It was kind of like, you know, it it fit for the popular culture is what they were going for, the mainstream. But if you've seen anything or if you followed with the actual Mortal Kombat video game, you would know they've stepped up their violence. (laughs) The video game itself is, it's gotten almost comical with how ridiculously violent the fatalities are and that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff but it's fun it's just but they know what their audience is and it's just stupid fun violent so i kind of hope they go that route a little bit with the uh with any reboot if they do it yep we're starting off the movie the very first thing we get is the fucking mortal kombat theme song right away (laughs) Like right when we get like the, I think it's New Line Cinema or whoever it was who produced it or distributed it, we get that song and a Mortal Kombat title card. Right away, we can't, it can't go any further without talking about the music because they start this movie off with the music and with the like the intense soundtrack and that soundtrack Probably one of the first CDs we got. I mean, it was in our early batch of CDs, if I had to guess. It's a fun soundtrack. And we've talked about this before, but even just rewatching the movie, I kind of forgot just how many songs just kind of pumped me up. And it's probably one of the first soundtracks that I remember that really utilized techno more than yeah, pretty much any other soundtrack.
1: And this soundtrack, to me, first well, first of all, George S. Clinton, who does the actual mm-hmm. score of it. Yeah. Yeah. I thought did a very fantastic job of sort of melding tribal sounds and, and a little bit of techno sounds and, and all that stuff. I liked what, a lot of what he was doing. But the soundtrack itself, with all of the sort of found bands and stuff like that, introduced me to so many bands that I still listen to now. So just to give you an example, like Gravity Kills, KMFDM, Orbital, Utah Saints... Fear Factory, Sister Machine Gun, Typo Negative. Some of the stuff I wasn't listening to before, but have since gone on to listen to more of just because I was introduced to them in this album.
0: Yeah, I agree. This album really introduced me to some heavier metal slash techno mix. Yeah. And it, it worked well. Yeah. Getting into the actual start of the film, we see Shang Tsung is fighting someone and you cannot miss just how bad the green screen is (laughs) with Shang Tsung. You got to remember though, a lot of this stuff was very high tech for the time. Yeah. I'm not going to let it get off just because it was high tech for the time. (laughs) Yeah. But
1: you know what? But you can do this. You can say the same thing if you go watch the original Toy Story. Now the thing about Toy Story is Toy Story has a good story and good voice acting in it. Like, If you go back and watch it, you realize, oh, yeah, our graphics have gotten way better since then.
0: Yeah, from, what, 93 or whatever. Right. But it it doesn't help that this movie is mixing the media, and you have live-action people, which the eye is perfectly, you know, attuned to looking at. Right. And then you mix some really rough CG or green screen to it, and it just doesn't work where... I can go back and watch Toy Story and since you're in that entire CGI world the entire time, I think the brain kind of accepts it a little bit easier. It's kind of oh. like when you get funkier animation, you know, you you just kind of allow it because you're kind of seeped into that world. But even then, Jurassic Park. Came out now. Granted, this was not going to have the same kind of budget budget, (laughs) as *Jurassic Park*, but like I watched *Jurassic Park* maybe a couple weeks ago, it still holds. up. It still holds up, and the graphics not completely. You can, I mean, you can pick out the CGI very easily, but that CGI looked just as good as a lot of other CGIs nowadays. Mm -hmm. And because they melded some robotics in with the CGI stuff. It actually holds up a lot better than some of the shit. Something like like a Steppenwolf, honestly, which I <laughs> recently watched from Justice League. Yeah, he looks, he looks very slick and smooth and shiny and not in that world. But Shang Tsung and random person we find out is the brother of Liu Kang. He kills him and he says, Your brother's soul is mine.
2: Ah! You will be
0: next. They bring in
1: so many just little elements from the video game. The one thing that did bother me is is uh, Shang Tsung has so many cheesy, yeah. <laughs> cliche lines. Yeah. yeah, he has the most. <laughs> he
0: has the most. And he delivers them with such gusto, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he doesn't... No, yeah. Carrie Tagawa does not... He doesn't hold back. No. So this was a dream, maybe like a... Not really a prophesied dream, but he's is... Liu Kang wakes up and he realized, that, you know, this is, this is what happened, I guess. He's kind of haunted by Shang Tsung killing his brother. He gets a telegram from... I think his grandfather, that he has to go back home. Then we cut to Sonya Blade, who uh, is Sonya Blade and Jax, which I kind of just get from contacts. It's Jax, who I think was a character in Mortal Kombat 2. I don't think he was in the first
1: one. They used characters from the first and second game
0: in this movie. We're just kind of getting establishing them. They are on a police team, like a SWAT team kind of, and they're hunting down this guy, Kano. Kano was another character. He was from the first Mortal Kombat. Um, He's the guy with the metallic eye. I gotta point out a line that Sonya Blade says. Jax calls out that Sonya Blade doesn't trust anybody. And she says,
2: I trust one person on this planet, Jax. You're talking
0: to him. Implying she only trusts herself. Right. Which is really fucking bad for a police team. Yes. Like, if you're on a SWAT team and you don't trust any of the people around you, you're not... Probably going to be a very good SWAT member. And if you're
1: partnered with her, it does not instill a lot of confidence.
0: Agreed, yeah. She's not going to do what she needs to save your life because she's only going to care about herself. Mm -hmm. So she is a bad police officer. That's established. We don't like her at all. We do meet Kano in this scene. We see that Shang Tsung, he's talking to Shang Tsung. And basically, Shang Tsung wants to lure Sonya Blade into a boat and on a tournament. And that's kind of our first inklings we get about whatever this boat and whatever this tournament is. Mm Mm-hmm. We now cut to Johnny Cage. We get like these hangar doors opening, uh, a backlit shot. He's kind of in sh- in silhouette, and he walks into this airplane hangar, yeah. and he starts fighting these people. It's bad fighting. I don't know if it, you said the yeah, choreography was, was it's really bad, bad. It's really bad fighting. This one guy doesn't fall down. It's just a humorous moment, and we're like, wait, wait, what? He didn't fall down. It's a nice so, little bait-and-switch moment. Bait-and-switch, and then we find out, oh, it's a movie set. If you know anything about the Johnny Cage character from the game, he is an actor who... Is also a fighter. Same in this movie. We get a little little setup of apparently I think it's Johnny Cage's old karate master or something is there, and he tells him about this tournament he wants Johnny Cage into. But we kind of find out on a small little scene it wasn't actually the karate master. It was Shang sung in disguise. So we see that Shang sung is manipulating everybody to get them into this tournament. And we cut back to Liu Kang, who is now at this random temple like a monastery, and this group knows about the tournament. They're known as the Order of Light. We kind of get from. Kind context mm-hmm. but they're kind of like i guess our protectors from this other realm uh which we know is outworld or we can yes. hear later but their job is to train fighters for this dimensional tournament and we kind of get we get the inclination that Liu kang was the
1: one who was being groomed mm-hmm. to be that fighter and he left kind of turned his back on them yeah and uh his brother took up his mantle and he got whooped he got his
0: soul taken yes he did which comes back here we meet Raiden, who is Christopher Lambert. And <laughs> nothing <laughs> says ancient
1: Chinese secret yeah. <laughs> like Highlander. Yeah. It, now, if it would been David Carradine, it would made a little bit more sense. Yeah, but Carradine's
0: not—he's not Asian either. But no, but that was—he was on Kung
1: Fu, the yeah. series. So yeah. that, at least that would have been a throwback to that.
0: Yes, but it's, Christopher it's- Lambert's like the. Whitest guy it was, ever. Yeah, it was just a throwback to Hollywood whitewashing. Yeah. Uh, that's exactly what happened here with Christopher Lambert as Raiden. He was fine. He delivered some comedic moments and that kind of stuff, which I don't need anymore, but it's fine. I, I will say this. I was very disappointed in Raiden's role in the movie because yeah. Raiden
1: was one of my favorite fighters to
0: play in the game. Actually, let's talk about the game real quick. Sure. So I've played not most iterations, but like pretty much the early stuff. I think I played Mortal Kombat one, two, and three, and we owned two. Mm-hmm. I had it for a Sega Game Gear, which nobody owned the Sega Game Gear. <laughs> <their laughs> Sega's first little portable handheld thing. Yeah. And I had that. I had Mortal Kombat two, which was a pretty decent game. But yeah, like that was it was a fun fighting game. Like it was it, to me. I mean, obviously, it changed the game for fighting games. Yeah. Like there was. Street I think Street Fighter. Fighter and some other stuff probably came before it. Right. But Mortal Kombat took things to another level. And not particularly with the gameplay. It was the little extras that it add on The fatalities. Right. Those kind of like little cinematic things that you could do or really memorizing button patterns to get the fatality you want or to get right. the kind of moves you wanted was something that Mortal Kombat did really well that just kind of took fighting and combos to another level. And they had things like like secret enemies you could
1: fight. Yeah, reptile with reptiles. Secret, yep. Yeah, and fun care like. Not that Street Fighter didn't have fun characters, but very dynamic characters, kind of with their own stories and stuff, which yeah. I r- really liked that aspect as a kid. I don't know if you remember this. When we first started playing Mortal Kombat, we would do a tournament, like we would do a bracket tournament. We'd mm. write down all the characters' names, and we'd create a bracket, and then we would fight each other to see which character would win, even though it was ridiculous because it was whoever was
0: the better player was yeah. going to win. <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah, so fun games, and, and then they they got even like more ridiculous. You get things like animality, babality, where they turn the person into a, a baby. Like the fatalities got ridiculous, but that's all part of the fun of yeah. Mortal Kombat. And so it just really penetrated video games and pop culture with that. Yep. Back to the movie, we're talking about white boy Raiden. Uh, Liu Kang really doesn't believe that he's Raiden, probably because he's a white guy. Eh. (laughs) And also, he just doesn't seem like the god of thunder and the protector of the realm of Earth. But we get a funny line, either from from, uh, Liu Kang's grandfather or kind of one of the elders at the temple, who says...
2: Spare him, my lord Raiden. American life has enfeebled his mind. Too much television.
0: I thought that was a funny-ass line, yeah. mainly because it just ties into people rotting their brains with video games and just, like, the American idea of what is the American culture outside of the U.S. It was funny to me, but Liu Kang basically decides, fuck all you old people, I'm gonna go fight and get revenge for my brother with or without your consent, and so he heads out, we're now getting to the boat, everybody is kind of congregating together for the boat to go to the tournament. We see that Sonya Blade and Jax are staking it out. They're waiting for Kano. Kano gets on. Sonya Blade, in a dumbass rush of non-good police work, follows him onto the boat. Wanting to kill him because he killed her partner back in the day. And we kind of at least get some setup that our three major characters are kind of starting to... Now they're kind of starting to meet, which our three main characters are Liu Kang, Sonya Blade, and Johnny Cage. In the boat, they meet Shang Tsung. Then he shows them Sub-Zero and Scorpion. Scorpion
2: and Sub-Zero. The deadliest of enemies. But slaves
0: under my power. When they first come out, it's yeah. just like... They look badass yeah they do
1: like most people or like a lot of people like scorpion was my favorite character yeah, he's to play the coolest odd mortal kombat i was not particularly happy with how they kind of zombified the two of them mm. and didn't give them mm. really any story they were just kind of like his warriors shanks on the warriors i wish
0: i could have had a little bit more but okay. that's me it didn't bother me at all i don't need depth in my ninjas, I just need ninja <laughs> in my ninjas. I what I don't care for, they took his spear and they made it like a weird little a bird. Uh, yeah, like a beaked animal thing coming yeah. out of his hand. I didn't yeah, like that. I didn't I, like that either. I just, just make it a fucking spear. Right. That was weird. And just as about as they're about to fight Raiden horrendously bad CGI uh, <laughs> lightning bolts in yeah. and shoots them away and kind of stops them from fighting. And he just kind of gives us some more tournament context of you know what the tournament is about. And what, what are it, the rules? Yeah, the rules and kind of where his domain is. That they have to defend the realm of Earth in the tournament called Mortal Kombat. Love it when they say the name of the movie in the movie. <laughs> Listen.
2: You have been chosen to defend the realm of
0: Earth in a tournament called Mortal Kombat. Apparently, for the emperor, this evil emperor, who we know as Shao Kahn from just the video games, Mm but for him to enter the realm of Earth, he has to win ten tournaments in a row, and they've won nine. Mm -hmm. So this is Earth's last hope before they're going to be invaded. And I get a fantastic line, probably maybe my favorite line in the entire movie, from Sonya Blade, after she hears about the context of the tournament. She says,
2: A handful of people on a leaky boat are going to save
0: the world. Exactly. And it just, I love it. Like that line, it's fun. And it just kind of, there's a lot of humor in the movie. Yeah. And a lot of it basically works. I mean, it fits, it feels very 90s. I appreciate (laughs) the humor in it too. Yeah. Well, without any of that humor. It would just be sad. It would not be a good movie. (laughs) And it's hard to say it's a good movie. Right. But yeah, we get apparently the boats now crossing over to this island area, which is kind of like, I'm I'm assuming it's an in-between area for the realm of Earth and the Outworld, mm-hmm. because Raiden can still be there, and Raiden still has powers. He doesn't at the other place, but it's kind of like a... Like, like a, a, a meeting area. Yeah, 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 a meeting area, a parlay ground. And we get a fantastic line of Shang Tsung saying,
2: It has begun!
0: Kerry Tagawa delivers all of his lines, like, 150 percent yeah like like, you know if the if the director was like hey i need you to give me you know something good here he'd be like fuck it no i'm going all the way and (laughs) i'm gonna give you that and some yeah and his he did a lot of he's very animated in his face yes (laughs) yes he was yeah now we're kind of getting into the tournament area, which is kind of like this, I don't know, temple-ish kind of looking thing or kind of a creepy castle. We see these statues and we're seeing Katana. Can't remember the actress, but she's gorgeous. <laughs> uh, her name is
1: Talisa Soto, and she really hasn't been in much else.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's a shame. I mean, well, granted, not really a shame because I wouldn't say her acting is amazing. (laughs) But she was in License to Kill, so she was in a Bond movie. She's in a Bond film. Cool.
1: other than that, it was pretty much just the two Mortal Kombat movies. Yeah. And some
0: other things here and there yeah fair enough we see one of the statues Shang Tsung talks to it and a lizard slash reptile whatever it's reptile it's reptile this is so instead of just going with another ninja they have reptile be an actual reptile beast yes and he, the CGI is terrible for everything that he's in, which, you know, whatever. That's for the time, but yeah. it's still terrible. I didn't really like that play. It didn't... I, I wish... Yeah. I, I didn't need it. I didn't need it. And how they, later on, how they
1: adapt him into the actual yeah, Reptile version. Yeah, we definitely talk about that. But we're going to have to talk about it now, Adam. It was inevitable. It was going to happen. Guess who voiced Reptile?
0: No!
2: <laughs>
0: Frank <laughs> I Welker. Didn't, I didn't really Our old friend. Wow. Frank Welker. Welker Watch. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We're going to just rename the fucking podcast to the <laughs> Frank Welker Podcast. We could, though, because we could just talk about everything that he's done, because he's done and he's had like 800 or 900 credits, and yeah. we could just just talk about his shit and th- they'd be fine. Like, it yeah. would still fit almost exactly how how we Except do it. Exactly
1: we're doing it, yeah. He also did the voice of Shao Kahn at the end.
0: Oh, okay. That was... You
1: can also tell because it sounds suspiciously claw from oh, Inspector Gadget. Gotcha. Sounds yeah. suspiciously like that. Yeah, he's got he has a good rasp. Yeah, again. he's got a good low rasping voice. Yep. So it was inevitable. We okay. Got to have him in something. Well, I uh, we can't I, escape
0: him. I didn't realize. I you don't. You can only hope to contain him. People, we are not endorsing Frank Walker. Well, We endorse Frank Walker because <laughs> we love him. But we're not hunting out things that he did. He's just popping up. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, when we chose this, we didn't expect, I didn't expect to find him, but fucking love the guy. Maybe one day we can get him on the podcast. That is, I doubt it. He a, doesn't do interviews. What a lofty ass dream that would be. <laughs> well, I'm not asking him to do a re- interview. I'm asking him to do a review. Let's, let's, let's oh, talk about Oh, that's way shit. different. Yeah, 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 super different. Anyway, we get a very quick fighting demonstration. They're they're having a feast, and we're just getting kind of the start of the tournament. Shang Tsung it wants to demonstrate how badass the tournament is, I guess, or whatever. And he has Sub-Zero fight this random other dude. Here we see Sub-Zeroes. Powers and he freezes this dude in midair who explodes basically upon you know once he gets hits the ground and we get the another cheesy Shang Tsung line of
2: flawless.
0: Like, the, the shit that you get in the video game. Right. Every video game line, pretty much, Shang Tsung says. Yes,
1: and it ends up in the movie. But Which
0: I always find to be weird because you get this fighter
1: who, he's kind of needlessly, like, just showing off doing his stuff. And it looks pretty good. He's oh, got yes. his good style. And then all Sub-Zero does is, like, this Dragon Ball Z, hands-forward thing,
0: and then he wins. If we had to go into the power set, every as you said, everybody likes Scorpion. Scorpion. Scorpion's cooler looking. He's more badass. But Sub-Zero's power set is better. Then throwing right. a spear and bringing someone to it, like freezing someone, that's a better power set. It makes more sense it, it, in real life. Yeah, but everyone's favorite thing was always to do
1: was to do the scorpion spear and then uppercut.
0: Yeah, well, it was a cooler move because also I think scorpion was favorited because his move was down back B or down back a I can't remember uh-huh. and so it was easy to do Right uh, to get the spear was easy, or is a down forward. I can't remember whatever it was It was very simple Sub-Zero stuff was a little bit more complicated I think that's partly that helped why Scorpion became so popular because people chose him because his, his shit was easier to do He was for the simpleton. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I liked him too. That's all I played. <laughs> <laughs> so Kind of after this demonstration, the three main protagonists are trying to follow Shang Tsung. And we get this shadow of Goro. And we're kind of getting introduced to Goro a little bit. We see Kano is, you know, on this extra little table where he's eating mm-hmm. and Goro is with him. So Goro, if you never played the game, but if you're listening to this podcast, I'm assuming you played the game or watch the movie, but if you didn't, cool. Goro is this very large, monstery looking thing who has four arms and he was the penultimate boss, Shang Tsung being the the final boss in the game. He was always very known for being very tough and he's big and strong and, and whatnot. And in this movie, I liked the voice of Goro and I can't remember who did it. That was his
2: intention. Shang Tsung is a great sorcerer. The wise cultivate
0: his favor. Those who challenge his power become his slaves. It was the puppet that looked rough. At least it was a robotic and a puppet, though. And it wasn't just, they didn't use the same CG that they did with Reptile. Right. Because if they did, that would have been really bad. I mean nowadays, you know it's gonna be full CG nowadays, and that's fine, and we'll talk about it in the yeah. casting. Um
1: the voice of Goro is actually someone who we've talked about before, is Kevin Michael Richardson.
0: Oh shit. Love Kevin Michael Richardson. He does he is an amazing voice actor in his own right. Yes. And I may or may not uh, be talking about him again later. <laughs> but <laughs> fuck, I have to change my casting because that's who I put as the fucking voice. <laughs> <of> the <world>. <laughs> fuck. <laughs> I didn't realize that. I put, <laughs> all right. I'll switch it to my other one. I'm swapping that out. That's exactly what I put as It's Like, oh, he's a fantastic voice actor. He's got good, good low and deep, and has a good growl. He'd be perfect for Goro. <laughs> Whoops. Okay. All right. Changing that up. Anyway. So we kind of get. Uh, we see Kano. We get kind of some contact with Goro. Meeting him. Yeah, the puppet uh, is okay. It's it, it's not it's not terrible, but it's not great right. by any means. So. I'm just allowing the Goro puppet. There was definitely some some rough moments with it, but, you know, fuck it. So we get a little bit more exposition here with Shang Tsung. And we get Katana trying to, like, guide Liu Kang around and kind of being mysterious yeah. and some stuff. I, I don't... The, the whole Katana stuff, I just don't need. I yeah. would prefer it to be cut because it's very unnecessary. Yeah. Her entire... Yeah, her entire character should just have been gone. I don't I don't want her at
1: all. Maybe they could have just had her as a fighter in the tournament somewhere. But other than that, like yeah. that whole storyline I really didn't care about.
0: Yeah. Liu Kang sees Reptile just kind of as he's walking around. And Reptile kind of spits poison in his face or whatever. We're just kind of just setting up that, oh shit, Liu Kang knows that Reptile's around. Yeah. The three main protagonists get back to the feast. And now all these fighters... Are, are there because, well, Shang Tsung saw that they were, or he heard them as they were leaving, like, the Goro area. And so mm-hmm. now they're kind of like, they're off to start some fighting. We get some badass music. Decent fight scene. Nothing, Nothing spectacular, but they're all... They're, fighting. They're not fighting anyone in particular. It's just like these hooded, regular fighters. Right. And they, we get a little comedic moment. After they beat them, Raiden is kind of like sarcastically clapping and saying,
2: Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. So why don't you show me what you plan to do about them? <laughs>
0: Funny little moment. We've seen it before in other movies, but Raiden basically doesn't allow them to fight because it's pre-tournament. That kind of thing. Right. Uh, just a funny little, funny little moment. We're trying to get us some action, I think, because we haven't had too much action in a little bit. Uh, now, though, we're cutting to the tournament. It begins. We get Liu Kang fighting this random guy, this cool, good-looking martial artist guy with these kind of like long braided hair. Yeah. And he kind of like, anytime he like makes a sound, get like a tiger growl yeah. or something. Yeah. <laughs> It's unnecessary, but it's a decent fight. It's, it's, uh, Mu Kang ends up winning, does this double kick to the guy's ribs, uh, and the guy can't really end up breathing and he dies, and Shang Tsung takes his soul. Mm-hmm. And then he gets another classic Shang Tsung line of fatality, fatality. <laughs> this is our first one where we actually see Shang Tsung sucking the soul out of somebody. Right. Gives us the, oh shit, this sorcerer is taking their souls. That sucks for them. Yep. <laughs> we now cut to Sonya Blade, and her first fight, right against Kano. Yep, she, moving she, it through. Yeah, she gets her man right away. She is not a very good martial artist. I think Bridget Wilson-Sampras, probably they should have given her a couple more months of, in training. Her, of training. I know she's a police officer, and so they don't need her to be a martial artist, but more of like police. police yeah, venomous. but it's mortal combat. It is, exactly. It's Mortal combat, and... The moves aren't; they're not very good. Her fight no. scenes are not very good. Lo- actually,
1: a lot of the fight scenes aren't even that good.
0: Even like yeah. the best fight scenes. I know. I know. I know. Rewatching it, it's they need to really up the choreography in, an, in yeah. another movie because this the fight scenes aren't amazing. That for a fighting movie, it's kind of it's kind of weak on the fighting. Yeah, but it it gives you humor. You at least get that. But I do think Bridget Wilson Sampras has a good look for Sonia Blade. She looks the part. She just she's not a great actress. She's not bad, but she's not. She's not a good fighter. Yeah. And she ends up grabbing Kano with this upside-down grab with her legs, flips him over, and then snaps his neck with yep. a cheesy line of No Son! Don't oh, give me a break. Okay. And now her storyline is basically done and we don't talk about it at all. And we don't get really much other closure of her you know, her storyline and her yeah. her path of this guy killed my partner and now I'm gonna kill him. But we don't talk about it at all. Yeah. Like we don't we don't get any of like that other resolution. It just happens It just happens. And, we move on. and it's but it's her first fight. Yeah. Like don't you think she should have Built up to Kano. Yeah. No, I agree. It was, I didn't like that. Like Kano was her entire motivation for going on this tournament. Right. And in her first fight, it's done. And then we just move on from it. Right. It's kind of, it's, it's poor writing. It did not work for me. But we don't have time for that because it's Mortal Kombat. And so we cut to the next fight, which in my opinion is probably the best known scene. It's the scene, it's the fight that I probably liked the best. And it's Johnny Cage versus Scorpion. Yeah. And I also thought it was the best choreographed. Yeah. Also possibly because they use a lot of
1: the environment yeah. to help it. So you're not relying just on straight
0: martial arts skill you're kind of using the environment to help the fight out yeah it's yeah exactly this one is not just like in a tournament circle it starts off in these lined out trees right and you get these like thin birch trees or whatever they are and it's just scorpion and and johnny cage fighting and you get a lot of the spear here but like This first section of it is just basically Johnny Cage running away from Scorpion's spear and doing that. But I really do like that scene, the look of it. Like, the cinematography of just, like, that area works well for me. Yeah. And Scorpion's just a badass. And in this fight, you get his classic lines from the the video game. Yeah.
2: Get
1: over here! Which... Incidentally, was voiced by the same guy who did the voice in the video games. Who I actually believe—I read this, and I—I I could fact check it, but I'm lazy. I actually think that's the guy who created the video game. He did the voice of, of Scorpion on that. And nice. I, and he—they—he's done the voice on, on every single one of the Mortal Kombat. Well, I'm
0: just gonna assume your fact that you <laughs> saw is probably correct. so Let's just go with it. Okay. So we get all that. Scorpion then teleports them into, like, his scorpion pit, which I didn't think he had teleport powers. Yeah, that part was a little weird. Yeah, it didn't make any sense. They should have just probably started 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 there. there. Yeah, Here's where they actually, like, fight, and they have nice choreographed moves, and they're using the environment. They're jumping up and down, like, you know, these, these kind of wooden platforms. It's a decent little fight. At the kind of end of it, Scorpion is pulling off his head and doing, like, his skull... Flame thing. Right. Which you get from the. I didn't like the look, how they did it, like the morph into it would look just look
1: bad. But fuck it. 95
0: CG. Yeah. 95. It was very much the Michael Jackson black or white morph technology that they, (laughs) they just used for that, for his face to go into a skull. But Johnny Cage finds this the shield with spikes around the sides Uh and and slashes and cuts scorpion until he explodes until he explodes yeah in a really bad explosion yeah the explosion looked really rough but we do get a cute Seen straight from the video game, Johnny Cage leaves his signed headshot or whatever yeah. with a fatality. You know? To my greatest fan. Yeah. I like, I like those moments. Like, yeah. Because this movie is cheese. This yeah. movie is, it's grade A Gouda. It is <laughs> Gruyere. It's blue. It is fucking cheddar, baby. <laughs> it's cheesy. <laughs> we knew that in the 90s when we first saw it. Yeah. Even though probably as kids, we just kind of like got engrossed in like the movie and the fighting and like the video game aspect. Right. Watching it now, if you are going to go into it thinking you're getting, like, a fucking really good Jackie Chan, or you get, like, good story and, like, really good fighting, that's not this movie. Yeah. This movie is a lower-budget blockbuster wannabe where they implement comedy to try and get away from the shortcomings of everything else. Right.
1: (laughs) But if you're a fan of the video game, they put in lots of little Easter eggs and stuff like that. Yes.
0: Yeah, and the video game itself is almost comedically over the top with some of this stuff. And so this does... Fit in with that. So yeah. yeah. Now we get the weirdest fucking fight in the entire fucking movie. I don't get why they had this Liu Kang versus Katana. I don't get. Is this a training session? We don't. We're not told it's a training session. It seems like it's just another fight in the tournament. Right. And so they're fighting, and Shang Tsung is kind of like overseeing it here I have a massive issue with it because Shang Tsung gives a line earlier while our three protagonists are listening in over on the feast okay. Shang Tsung says we must not get Katana and Liu Kang together yeah and he is the one who sets up the tournament which is established because he says in the Sonya Blade Kano fight he says you're welcome Sonya Blade I'm this is my gift to you so you can imply he is the one who sets up who's fighting who right. At least I did then why the hell did he put Liu Kang and Katana together in a fight when he said that they shouldn't be together? Right. And is this even a fight? Because we don't see the end of it. They're fighting, and Katana gives him like some advice on shit. It's yeah, I hate it. It's stupid. And nobody dies. And nobody dies. You don't see anybody at the at the end of it. They're just kind of like in like a little fight hold, and then they cut away to Luke Kang's next fight. Yeah, who won? Like, what the fuck? It, it's stupid. It doesn't. <laughs> that whole scene should just be fucking gone.
1: If she needed to tell him something. She should have. They should
0: have found a different way for her to. Tell yeah, him. but she's giving him hints about. You know, you have to use the element of life to win your next fight. Okay, cool. And then we cut to this guy dropping off a water bucket. Huh, I wonder what's going to happen with that. Yeah. Uh, and then we find out it's Raiden. Huh, I guess that's probably going to be... It's This movie, Subtlety, is not the strong point <laughs> in the writing of this film. Yeah. But here we get another fight. It's uh, Sub Zero versus Luke Kang. Even though we just saw Lu Kang fight with Katana, we're going straight to another one. Whatever. Yeah, you, you know, decent little fight See, Nothing, nothing special until we get this big freeze ball or whatever the fuck. It's right, <laughs> like an aura star. of cold or something. yeah, aura of cold. And then Katana shows up. And you hear the line again of use the element of luck." Again, subtlety. Not the fucking... (laughs) They they don't think we're smart and we couldn't remember a line that happened two minutes ago. And so Liu Kang stumbles upon the bucket that Raiden left there. He hurls it at Sub-Zero, which then freezes... As it goes through the cold aura or whatever, and it stabs him through the heart or just through the chest in a ice spear. There is no subtext in this movie. Yeah, yeah, none of that either. I'm pretty sure that's not
1: how the water would have frozen. It would have just been a solid block. Even if the bucket had broken away, if the water's going to instantly freeze and it's going in that form as it goes through, it would have just been like a little bucket-shaped block. (laughs) And maybe it would have, like, smashed his head in or something like that, but
0: still... Yeah, yeah. Well, because movie physics. Movie physics. We're we're allowing it. So now, the human side of One Enough and Goro is entering the tournament. We get kind of a quick little montage of Goro beating the shit out of a bunch of guys. Yeah. And now we have a scene of Goro fighting this random dude who we meet when Johnny Cage first comes onto the boat. He's apparently another like very famous martial artist from America. And Goro kicks his ass. Yeah. Basically, there's no real other setup than it just kind of like it, it gives I guess the stakes of oh as opposed to these nobodies dying from Goro here we're getting someone that we've met before dying from yeah. Goro I wish they stepped it up a notch and Game of Thrones that shit and someone more important would have died right then it would have really given some like context as yeah. to like oh my god Goro is this badass as opposed to uh, he's just beating this they, one guy they up.
1: could have killed Sonya Blade at this point well no because he uses Sonya Blade at the end
0: yeah but Jen, it, was, it was like
1: they could have killed her because their story's done yeah
0: I mean yeah her arc is finished. Yeah. But whatever. My least favorite line, used line, they've used they use this line multiple times, but at the end of the fight, when Shang Tsung sucks out the soul of this guy, he says,
2: "Flawless victory. Your soul
1: is mine.
0: But it wasn't flawless. No. The guy got some shots into Goro. Yeah. And, and if you know anything about the video game, if you take a single shot, it's not a flawless victory. Right. So that annoyed the fuck out of me. Yes. They, they didn't even follow their own Mortal Kombat rules. He takes his soul. We get a little pep talk of uh, Raiden. You know, talking, he's giving some advice to the rest of the team. Basically, Johnny Cage takes this as advice to just fucking call out Goro. And he wants to try and save Sonya Blade. Because they have a weird romance thing that comes out of nowhere. Yeah. Unnecessary. Like, if you if you get a white female and a white male in a movie, for some reason they have to fuck. And I don't... I didn't need it. I didn't want it. Yeah. Like, it just... It, it had was stu- nothing to do with the story. Yeah. So, he challenges... Goro uh, and Shang Sung does it but he has to but he wants to he, make a deal he
1: uses it as an
0: opportunity yeah. to get
1: something he's gonna want later
0: yeah which the deal is a really bad
1: deal I know
0: <laughs> why you why you would accept that at all yeah Johnny Cage was not thinking because he was thinking he was his dick yeah he was uh the stipulation is basically okay I'll allow you to fight Goro but then I can fight whoever I want for the final battle like, it doesn't have to be you. It can be fucking anybody. Right. And I can do it anywhere I want. And so he makes that stipulation. And Johnny Cage is like, yeah, yeah, sure, whatever. Right. like, what the fuck? Like, if you beat Goro, it doesn't mean you're going to the championship. He can cho- He could have cho- chosen a, a dumb fucking, like, one of the other bad fighters. Like, right. Like, who maybe was still alive. But I don't know. Uh, Johnny Cage... This is a bad fucking deal. Raiden recognizes that, but whatever. We get Johnny Cage versus Goro in probably the worst fight in the entire movie. Right. Although the best opening move. Well, the most effective opening move. It was was the cheapest opening move, but it does give us one of the best lines. Goro grabs Johnny Cage's sunglasses. Don't want to skip this part. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) He breaks them up, which is awesome. And then, basically, to retaliate, Johnny Cage does a good split and then hits Goro right in the nuts. And... It's a funny comical scene, but that shit is used so often as kind of like the catalyst to make the person who can't, who shouldn't win the fight, actually win the fight. Right. Nutshots Nut shots in martial arts movies are like the dues machina kind of bullshit. <laughs> um, where they shouldn't happen, but they do to, right. give, to give the lower level person that one step up. Yeah. In a fantastically honorable move, he punches Goro in the nuts and then runs away. <laughs> <laughs> wow, what a, what a hero. <laughs> But he runs down this fucking cavern kind of path. Goro follows him when he finds him at the end near this cliff's edge. We get Johnny Cage saying a fantastic line. Those were $500 sunglasses, asshole. Mm -hmm. And in like three moves, Johnny Cage kicks Goro off the fucking edge, which, one, the fall looked really bad. The green screen really bad. Before he falls, though, he's holding on. Yeah. And he revisits
1: the line of this is where you fall down. Yeah,
0: same that we got from earlier when we first met Johnny Cage. Yeah. Ha ha ha, humor, ha ha ha. That didn't detract from how bad the fight was, yeah. in my opinion. The humor in this movie is not a blanket covering my eyes from some of the crap. <clears throat> Maybe it did as a kid, but as a 32-year-old man, it well,
1: is not. Well, I mean, you could already tell that that nine-foot puppet was not fast. <laughs> so they couldn't have had like a huge battle. So I'm yeah. sure they
0: did what they, what they could. So that's the end of Goro. Now Shang Tsung is... Challenging whoever the hell he wants. He grabs Sonya Blade and he takes her to Outworld. And so he is going to have his final battle against Sonya Blade. But there is one stipulation. She has to accept the fight. But we go into into Outworld. Raiden can't follow. So here we finally get, you know context where raiden can't go but Liu kang and johnny cage decide to follow as they're kind of like discovering outworld and they follow that here lu kang finds a reptile again he throws reptile into a statue and for some reason when you put a lizard into a statue they bond and they become a ninja did you know that john that's like that is grade a science that's what this movie taught me yeah so i've been trying to just shove little lizards into into statues the rest of my life and nothing's happened (laughs) nothing's happened yeah i don't know what i'm doing wrong yeah <laughs> yeah, I guess it's kind of like that secret enemy bullshit, but from the yeah. game. But it just—it was very convoluted. It didn't make any sense. I don't know where he got the clothes from either, because get yeah. the, well, <laughs> the statue <laughs> doesn't look anything like the guy he no, turns into either. Not even a little it bit. Just,
1: <laughs> it just morphs into the green version of Scorpion and Sub Zero.
0: Yep. Um, we get their fight. Uh, another mediocre fight. Nothing special, but I guess the coolest part of it is actually Liu Kang does his bicycle kick. At the end, yeah. When they do the the, the moves from the game, that's kind yeah. of the fun shit. Yeah. And so he does his bicycle kick, and that's kind of how he kicks Reptile back to the ground. And when a Reptile dismembers itself from the statue, it also turns into bugs. Did you realize that? That's science. Yes. There was a bunch of weird bugs that came out of yeah. nowhere when Reptile was basically no longer with his statue. I mean, maybe it's Outworld science. I minored in Outworld science, and I don't remember that though. <laughs> But I took it as a community outreach program yeah. <laughs> now Liu Kang beats Reptile, he, he squashes the actual Reptile yeah. at the end and that's that's the end of that fight, that's the end of that character and I'm okay with him being gone Yeah. so now Katana shows up again, she gives some more advice, I don't really care about her moving on, and we get to the tower, here we see Sonya Blade wearing some like fucking Barbarella kind of <laughs> outfit with her hair is like a big frizzy mess kind of yeah. thing why did she change clothes or why did they give her some weird ceremonial leather thing? Yeah. Uh, it wasn't even ceremonial, it just looked it looked bad. We do see the seal of Mortal Kombat, which I kinda liked, like the yeah. this is where the final battle's gonna Take place in this tower. Johnny Cage and Liu Kang show up, and Liu Kang challenges Shang Tsung. Shang Tsung's trying to not fight Liu Kang. You can tell he's a little piss scared of Liu Kang, Mm -hmm. which they did say earlier. Who's the descendant of Kung Lao, who was another character from the game? He was Mm -hmm. the guy who had the hat that you could throw. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Which I think is his backstory from the game as well. But Shang Tsung ends up accepting the fight with Liu Kang, and now we get the final battle. Fight music going. Hanna's advice is that he has to face three enemies. He has to face his enemy which is these old warriors or whatever that Mm -hmm. Shang Tsung pulls out of these old souls and has him fight. Which, honestly, I wish this was a good opportunity that they could have had Shang Tsung pull up maybe one of the other two people that we saw him suck the souls of. Maybe the first guy that Liu Kang fought, or probably even better, the guy that Goro fought that we had met before. That would have been cool. Instead we just get these old warriors Yeah. Uh, It's fine, but it did lack a little depth to Mm -hmm. it. And then she says Liu Kang has to face himself, which goes over within a second because he's just like, okay, I face myself. I'm good to go. And then he has to face his own fear. And here's where Shang Tsung uses the soul of his brother. They kind of knew that was coming. And we see these foreboding spikes coming up from the Mortal Kombat seal, which is they're now kind of standing above it. Liu Kang has to Fight through his fear. He knows that it's not his brother. They end up fighting him and Shang Tsung, and he does his little, like, energy fist, and I can't remember what the move is that Liu Kang does, but it's kind of like this red, either, like, fireball or red energy thing, and he shoots Shang Tsung down and punches him, basically, all the way down, and he dies on these spikes. Flawless victory. You keep using the word. I don't think it means what you think it means. Again, not a flawless victory, because right. I think... I think Liu Kang took a hit. And all of the souls that Shang Tsung has trapped are now freeing from his dead body, including the younger brother. We get a cute little scene of that. And the tournament has won. But we get that weird Emperor Shao Kahn ending. You weak, pathetic fools. have come for your souls. I don't think so. Which, he looks really bad. Yeah, The graphics looked bad. That's how the movie ends. You had to happy music and then you end on, oh shit, and there's like a, the emperor. A is- fight pose. Yeah, a fight pose, exactly. Oh, we're going to go back into it. Kind of like, is there going to be another movie? The answer was yes, unfortunately. Yes,
1: unfortunately, yes. <laughs>
0: uh, so that is the movie. Final thoughts, John. Do you, let's start with you. Uh, I really did enjoy going back to watch this
1: movie. I had a lot of nostalgia for it. It is not great. The effects, it's mildly okay for the martial arts. Some of the scenes are better than others. Some of the fighters are better than others. It depends on which part, but it's fun. Mm. It's a lot of fun to watch. And I I probably would not have no problem, you know, watching it again. I really enjoyed going back to see this. And you know what? If you haven't seen it in a while, I would say go back. Know that you're going to see early 90s CG. It's not really going to hold up. But if you can get past that and some of the uh, melted cheddar that's oozing all over the film, (laughs) I think you'll have a good time.
0: Yeah, I very much agree. The film itself, you know what you're getting. It's a bad movie. It's a cheesy movie. It has its issues all over the place. But is it still fun? Yeah, it's still kind of fun. It's a movie that I would be fine watching it, just by myself at home because I enjoy that nostalgia feeling. Obviously, that's why we're, we're doing this podcast because yeah. you and I enjoy that shit. And I can just dive myself back into the movie and enjoy it. But I would probably really, really love watching this movie with other friends who enjoyed this movie as kids. Us drinking some whiskey. <laughs> us just like Mystery Science Theater 3000. Just doing a bunch of this. It'd be a fun with friends like bad movie night kind of thing. Yeah. And it, it would it would work in that context, absolutely. And if you were nostalgic for it, it's... I wouldn't, I don't know if I would say it's worth a watch, but it's fine to watch. And yeah. you'll, you'll enjoy it. You'll have fun. Yeah. So, yeah. Sweet. Mortal Kombat. Uh, I'm honestly surprised. I thought I was going to be like, oh, my God, this is a tr- piece of trash again. It doesn't hold up. <laughs> right. But it does. I mean, well, it doesn't hold up. It doesn't hold up. <laughs> <That's> the, <laughs> but you can find enjoyment out of it. Yeah. And, yeah. And it's on Netflix right now, but, yeah, it's... uh. Yeah, go check it out. Yeah. Yeah. All right, now we are getting into Power Rangers. Go, go, Power Rangers. Yeah, the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, which the Mighty Morphin run ran from 1993 to 1995. And as you may or may not know, it stars five. Teens who ha- are teenagers with attitude, and they are recruited to stop Rita Repulsa from, you know, all of her evil doings. This big floating head Zordon gives them their powers, and they have morphin powers, and they has a silly robot named Alpha 5. Ay, ay, ay. And they live in this place, Angel Grove, like California. They had, the show itself, they utilized stock footage from a Japanese fighting show called super sentai uh which all actually all of the different iterations of power rangers pretty much use stock footage from like that show and Mm -hmm. that show was very much i guess a long-running thing that they could just kind of keep doing this with and they just tied it in but yeah so the show had it's five different teenagers which ended up being like six um but you had jason who is the red ranger he was the leader. You had Billy, who was the Blue Ranger. He was the nerd. You had Zack, who was the Black Ranger, who was cool. And you had Kimberly, who was the Pink Ranger, who was adorable. Uh, you had Trini, who was the Yellow Ranger, who was just kind of there. <laughs> and uh, later you had Tommy, the Green, and then eventual White Ranger, who was also just kind of cool.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: But, like, each of them had their own Zords. So, kind of, I guess they kind of took that a little bit from voltron but i guess voltron stuff they all had the same kind of zord didn't they they're the same like mechanics they all had like the Some, cats
1: yeah they were all kind of cats yeah uh
0: but in this one they all had a different what they were called dinosaurs only half of them were dinosaurs <laughs> but zordon says
2: you've been chosen to form an elite team to battle rita each of you will be given access to extraordinary powers drawn from the ancient creatures you call dinosaurs, dinosaurs?
0: here jason the red ranger you get your t-rex Here, Billy, the Blue Ranger, you get your Triceratops. Here, Zack, the Black Ranger, you get a Mastodon, not a dinosaur. Right. (laughs) Here, Kimberly, you get your Pterodactyl, okay. Uh, And then here, Trini, the Yellow Ranger, you get your Sabertooth Cat, not a dinosaur. (laughs) And then even the Green Ranger, his was a dragon. Right. Not real. (laughs) And then it became a White Tiger, not a dinosaur. (sighs) But whatever. This show is definitely not one that you think will, like actually follow its shit. It's for kids. When I was a kid, I only watched seasons one and two where Rita Repulsa is the main bad guy in season one. And then you get Lord Zed in season two, who's kind of like a red dude who, but he has like this visor thing and this uh-huh. kind of Z on his head. And I, and I liked him just fine. And then after, at, at the end of season two, I think is where I gave up as a kid. right? And you get this skeleton guy in season three called Rito I don't remember, but he ends up, be, he's Rita Repulsa's brother, but he's like this skeleton military looking guy. But I, I didn't watch any of those and I kind of stopped. None of those hit my nostalgia, but seasons one and two definitely do. The villains, Rita Repulsa is just kind of like a, I don't know, I feel like she's almost a classic villain now. Yeah. She's just kind of ridiculous.
2: Magic one, make my Goldar!
0: grow! Oh, a little bit over the top, but it worked out really well. That, you know, a lot of her footage or her footage was stock, stock footage. Right. And so, and it, she was obviously speaking Japanese, but she was dubbed for the English version and it just didn't match the mouth. No, a lot of times they, she would actually be talking, but she, her mouth wouldn't be moving Yeah, at all. <laughs> Yeah.
1: They obviously took and changed the storylines, which in itself actually seems kind of cool. It's kind of like the movie version of sampling. Yeah. Just kind of taking what's it and then redoing it. Now, granted, it didn't really work. On a quality level. On a quality level. Yeah. no. I mean, on the st- they made it work for their stories. Yeah, and it was fine. I mean, you can kind of tell something kind of interesting. First of all, this isn't the interesting part, but I did not really watch *Mythical Power* Rangers as a kid. I think I watched one episode and I was like, "Nah, this show wasn't for me." I did, however huge crush on Amy Joe Johnson
0: yeah huge crush on Amy Joe it Johnson. was impossible everybody ever had a did. crush on her like I was probably I think I was eight when this show came out and even my little eight year old dingle was getting <laughs> getting crazy over her because yeah she she was kind of like the new Kelly Kapowski where yeah everybody had to have a crush on her and yeah she is adorable and Amy Joe Johnson's still gorgeous yeah whew, whew, Amy Amy call us up if you're listening find my number I'll I will you know send me a DM or something I, I like you. <laughs> um, but yeah, you're, you're dead on with that. One
1: of the things I found out. So when they switched or when they morphed into their suits, there were two girls, right? Yeah. But when they morphed in the suits, the pink ranger was the only one who had a skirt. Mm-hmm. That's because in the original Japanese
0: version, the yellow ranger is a boy, yeah. not a girl. Yeah. that's That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Trini, exactly. Trini was just kind of there. So. I didn't mind her character. It was no, fine. no, no. She was fine. yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, nobody... She, she just wasn't dynamic. Like, right. everyone else had something. And unfortunately, I think her thing was just Asian. And that was the problem. It fit right into people's stereotypes. Like, oh, hey, hey the black guy, be the black ranger. Asian person, be the yellow ranger. Like, just like, oh, fuck. Come on. Yeah. Come on, Power Rangers. You're better than this. And they did try to change it. I think it was the end of season, near the end of season two, when there were some contract disputes. Um, and they had to change up the red, yellow, and black ranger. Um, and so they kind of mixed up the races, which is good. Yeah. Uh, but the show uh, kind of fit right into racial stereotypes line. It kind of reminded me of, did you ever watch Wild and Crazy Kids from Nickelodeon? I did, but it's been so long that I can't can't picture it. I do remember watching it. Omar Gooding was one of the hosts of it and he was always the leader of the black team. Like, every time. (laughs) And I'm just like, really? Even as a kid, I'm like, really? (laughs) So, So, but... That aside, this show is so fucking 90s. Between yeah, the is. music, between, like, the acting, between, like, you know, it felt like they were just trying to copy, like, so the stuff that they wrote and acted for, like, the English version, like, the non-stock footage stuff, everything was pretty much taking place at this youth center. They were kind of, like, having their teen problems. It was very much like a, hey, we were going to just rehash Save by the Bell, right. but add some martial arts elements right. to it. And there was a, in perfect 90s fashion, in episode one, which I watched... I probably ended up watching like four or five episodes, honestly. I did, too. Yeah. Episode one, when they like getting their powers and they're deciding, oh, yeah, I want to do it. Amy Jo Johnson gives a not joke.
2: I don't know, you guys. I mean, the outfits are cool and everything, but my hair gets all tangled up inside the helmets. I don't think I can do it. Oh, no. Kimberly, no. Not. Circuit overload. Circuit overload. Ay, ay, ay.
0: And I'm just like, oh, God. Oh, that hurts. Other reoccurring characters besides the main heroes and villains, we had Bulk and Skull. Hi, girls. How about that
2: double date we talked about? Yeah.
0: (laughs) And they were in quite a bit of the episodes. They were the bullies comical relief bullies they weren't actual bullies because nobody took them seriously right and they were really cheesy i do remember when tommy came on board there was this storyline and i can't remember what the name is but tommy the green ranger was a new kid kind of in the area and doing this martial arts tournament where he was fighting jason the Mm -hmm. red ranger and rita repulsa sees him and is like oh i'm gonna recruit him and she brainwashes him to fight as a Green Ranger. And so the it's probably one of the better storylines in maybe the entire run of the show. Tommy fights the Rangers and he's he looks more badass. He has the same kind of suit, but he has like this gold chest platey kind of thing. But I yeah. mean it's a foam chest platey. Right. But so he just kind of like looks cooler than everyone else and his zord is like this big dragon zord which is just as big as all of their other zords combined right (laughs) so he's like immediately the coolest of all of them and that actor jason david frank he has been on like three or four different power rangers teams so he was on mighty morphin power rangers as the green ranger and then the white ranger and then I think he became the Red Ranger in Power Rangers Zeo. and I think he was another Ranger in Power Rangers Dino Thunder or Dino whatever. I can't remember what they're called, but yeah, I think that guy has probably since the show, he's probably been the face of Power Rangers more than anyone else. Mm-hmm. If I have to, if I have to say, um, but he's also a definite like martial artist. Like he does martial arts tournaments. I believe like still competes, maybe even to today. John. Can you name all of the different Power Rangers shows? No, <laughs> I didn't. Up and up until recently, I didn't even know there were
1: multiple Power Rangers shows.
0: There have been three theatrical movies. They had uh-huh. the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers movie that came out in I think ninety seven mm-hmm. that tied in with this this show, and then they had a Turbo Power Rangers Turbo movie, and then they just had that reboot that just right. came out like last year. But they still have Power Rangers going on today. Is a show, and another one like set up for next year. I think they've had. I think it's almost 20 different Power Rangers iterations. Jeez. And I'm going to run through all of them. We started off with the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. And then they had like a short-lived side one called Mighty Morphin Alien Rangers. I didn't watch that. I didn't even really know about that until I was searching. And then we had Power Rangers Zeo. Then we had Power Rangers Turbo. Then we had Power Rangers in Space. Then Power Rangers Lost Galaxy. Then Power Rangers Lightspeed Rescue Power Rangers Time Force, Power Rangers Wild Force, Power Rangers Ninja Storm, Power Rangers Dino Thunder, Power Rangers SPD, Power Rangers Mystic Force, Power Rangers Operation Overdrive, Power Rangers Jungle Fury, Power Rangers RPM, Power Rangers Samurai, Power Rangers Force, Power Rangers Dino Charge, Power Rangers Ninja Steel, and Power Rangers Beast Morphers. Holy fuck. And Beast Morphers hasn't started yet, but Power Rangers Ninja Steel, which is actually now called Power Rangers Super Ninja Steel, is, uh, I think, currently going on on Nickelodeon right now. Uh, wow. There are so many Power Rangers. it's It's been literally nonstop.
1: Wow. I, that's, I really have nothing to say to that other than, wow. And I, I had no idea.
0: Yeah, they, this is a, an entity that has really dived into pop culture and been a mainstay for the last almost 30 years, for the last 25 years. Yeah. Jeez. So it's uh, it's impressive. I think we mentioned it maybe in our He-Man episode, Haim Saban, who did music for the He-Man show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he did music for some other like stuff, and they, they also did She-Ra. But him and his partner did the Saban production play- house and they produced all of these shows yeah and he's like a billionaire now rolling and it. yeah and that's just super impressive how they've been able to make this work and i guess the use of stock footage probably takes your prices down because you don't have to pay hell you don't you're not paying for all those costumes and you're not paying for like those action sets with like all this other shit you're probably just adding in some extra graphics to it right but you're just buying stock footage yeah it's probably I, super cheap to produce when I it comes to that do you
1: think they have to pay the actors though
0: Oh, from the stock footage? Yeah, I think so. I don't know about that. I think you, once you have your footage, you, it's owned by whoever owns that footage. Well,
1: I know, okay, so I, don't, I my only thought about this is I know this because I, I heard this in an interview. And I actually mentioned this before. On the Disney cartoon uh, Phineas and Ferb, there's a character who's a platypus. And the platypus has one noise that the platypus makes. The sound was done by a guy named D. Bradley Baker who's a very prolific oh, yeah. I've uh, voice actor? Uh, if you watch American Dad, he does the voice of Klaus, the oh. fish.
2: <laughs> it's times like this I wish I had a wife, so I could turn to
0: her and say, Stop eating bread, you fat pig. Look at your thighs. You disgust me. Um, oh, we've, he, we've, we've, we've talked about him before, I think. Yeah,
1: we've talked about him before. Um, he did the voice one time, but gets paid every time they use it.
0: Oh, okay. Well, yeah, but that's not the same as stock footage.
1: That's fair, but I, but I don't think I doubt it was stock footage. They probably had to purchase it from whoever owned it in Japan. I would. Yeah, say.
0: but the, but you don't. But doesn't mean that. People who were actors were in it, probably their contract. Uh, this is probably really boring for people, but <laughs> their contracts usually stipulate, I would imagine, that the whatever that production company owns that footage and they can redistribute it oh, at any time. Yes. It. Like the company I work for, people film with us. We can use that footage as many times as we want, doing however we want. I can edit it whichever way they want. And the people who filmed it have no say and they get no extra money. Okay. It's a one time purchase. Okay. Um, so I would think that it's probably very similar w- with this footage. Okay. And I've bought stock footage before for productions that I've worked on and you know, you're just buying it from an online site. You don't have to make sure you give any money to any of the actors or anything, any people who end up in it. So, well then I bet those Japanese actors were pissed. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) That was a good, interesting little (laughs) business tangent. That's
1: all right. I I think, I was interested to know, so I'm sure okay. there's some people who would be interested to know.
0: But uh, the show itself is incredibly redundant. Yeah, you, the, the, it's pretty much almost the exact same setup every time, where reader repulsa. Sends in a monster. They fight the monster, normal size, and they either lose or it's or it's losing. And Rita wants it to grow, and she throws down her staff and makes it grow, and then it grows. And then the Power Rangers get their Zords and they fight them individually. They lose, and they turn into the Mega and then they fight it and they win. Sometimes Tommy adds in, and they get and turn into Ultra Mega Super Ultra Duper Zord or whatever. They they kind of get crazier stuff with right. that. <laughs> Even in season two, I realized that you get rid- more ridiculous with their stuff. Right. And that before, they just had like their, say Jason had his T-Rex Zord and he just would call on, you know, Dinosaur power! Then in like season two, it's like, Tyrannosaurus Like you you're adding in these adjectives and all this stuff. It gets crazy, but everything was repetitive. Like even every time that they had to become Power Rangers, they used the exact same little sequence where right. each person would like put their hands together and get their little morphing thing with these kind of cheesy graphics behind them. Right. And say that it's Morphin time!
2: Dragon Sword! Mastodon!
0: But, you know, that's what shows are. I mean, like, how many times did He-Man do I Have the Power? Right. And that kind of shit. And it's the exact same animation. And yep. it's super simple for animators and for, you know, editors to do that. One thing that I thought actually worked really well for the show and probably is a underlying factor as to why it was so successful. And I think it makes a lot of sense because of Haim Saban and his background in music. The music in this show was so catchy. Yeah. The theme song. Yeah. Oh, fuck that theme song. <laughs> go, go, Power Rangers! Go, go, Power Rangers! Go, go, Power Rangers! Mighty Morphin Power Rangers! And I only watched like two seasons... And I still, like, I do, I fucking like that theme song. It gets me going. Right. But not even just that theme song. The actual, the music in the show, it was constantly driving. They had music for everything. Bulk and Skull had their own theme. There was music all over the place. And I really, I feel like it helped the pacing of the show. And that's probably why I ended up watching like five episodes. I wasn't really all that bored. It wasn't a good show by any means. Right. Like I, it's very similar to Mortal Kombat. I think it fits really well with Mortal Kombat <laughs> because the production value is fucking low. Right. But I was okay with it. I was surprisingly like, yeah, and just kind of kept it on and I didn't hate it. And I, and I think the music was a good factor for that. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that's, I mean, kind of diving into the, the, my final thoughts as bad as the show is, and it doesn't hold up when it comes to overall quality, but for just kind of like, you know, if you had that nostalgic kick. It kind of worked, you know. It, it was it was kind of just like this is a stupid show I would watch with friends and, and same right. kind of thing, and be like, I'd be okay with that.
1: You know, it's it's really funny that you say that because I had almost the exact same reaction. Where I, and I'm coming from a place where I didn't really watch it at all uh-huh. when I was a kid. I think I watched it a, a couple times and was like, you know what, this just show isn't really for me. And going back, I found myself like just letting letting it run. Yeah, and. The part that I did kind of enjoy is they were smart in using some of the found footage with the Power Rangers because Mm -hmm. the fight scenes looked halfway decent. Yeah. Because they were just using the original Japanese fight scenes. And then they would just add them in whenever they had to. I found myself rolling my eyes, (laughs) but not really hating the show. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good way to put Um, it. I was watching it uh, the other day when my kids were around, and I found my daughter, like, entranced. Mm Mm-hmm. In the show. And I'm not really sure... I couldn't pinpoint what it was she was <laughs> entranced with. Yeah, there was, there was something... Maybe there's... I don't know. Maybe there's some sort of hypnotic message in the yeah, show. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know what. But, like, I kind of was like, eh, I probably never watch this again, but I don't hate it.
0: Yeah, which is surprising because you... Yeah, this was but not your show growing no. up.
1: And it was, I mean, it is total cheese. Total, especially in the beginning parts when they're like, it is very sort of safe It is more saved by the bell yeah. than saved by the bell. Yeah. <laughs> they're trying hard. Yes, they're
0: trying way too hard. Yeah. So I, you know what? I didn't, I didn't hate it. Yeah. Cool. I didn't hate it. This is probably one of the biggest shocks that I had because similar enough to Mortal Kombat, I was super expecting to scoff and laugh and roll my eyes. And I did kind of all of that. <laughs> But yeah, I didn't hate it but at the same time. But you didn't turn it off I, Exactly. The end. I kept it going. And I was like, ah, cool. Uh, so yeah, surprise of the century, Power Rangers. Way to go. And Amy Jo Joe Johnson, if you're listening, please call me. Please, <laughs> God, call me. I love you. <laughs> this episode of the Blast From Our Past podcast is brought to you by Bagel Bites. Now you can feel good
2: about giving them pizza, whenever they want. Pizza in the morning, pizza in the evening, pizza at supper time. When pizza's on a bagel, you can eat pizza anytime. Pizza Bagel Bites, bite-sized pizzas on wholesome little bagels. Hey, pizza at no the time, pizza at no Pizza by the chip is so fine. When pizza's on a bagel, you can eat pizza anytime. Pizza Bagel Bites, pizza whenever you want it.
1: Alright, now we're going to do our casting and because we had a huge cast of characters and because we love the game so much, we are going to cast Mortal Kombat. I think it's overdue for a a reboot, probably a good
0: reboot. This is one of those franchises that the movies just have kind of failed over the years, particularly that second one killed this one off. Mortal Kombat Annihilation was a piece of trash and then they haven't kept it going. They can make this look cool it's due time for a mortal Kombat reboot i think make it gritty make it rated r i want to see blood i want to see ridiculous yeah. over the top shit would you want it as a movie or a tv series this is not a show that i would watch for seasons and seasons i don't think the drama would be there right if it was a mini if it was a series a i mini- want to be Ooh, a mini series yeah. <laughs> yeah
1: just a mini well and the thing is, is there's so many characters it's too hard to and i think if you really want to give each character their own shine you can't throw that all into a movie yeah the movie we saw kind of prove that either a short run series like a series that only ran for two or three seasons or a mini series i think would be would be perfect you could almost each episode kind of focus on a different character and and then kind of tie all the story arcs into like uh, some final combat yeah. you know thing at the end yeah um so we have a, actually very large cast
0: of characters this time <laughs> yes john did not hold back on the casting i'm I, gonna throw that. i was putting hoping like maybe five six people and john was like fuck it we're doing 10 <laughs> so whatever so we're doing
1: we're doing pretty much all of them who are in the movie all right we're gonna do lu kang raiden sonya blade johnny cage katana scorpion sub-zero shang Tsung, kano and goro to me there's not like any one that's better than the other because even though in the story kind of lu kang is the head of the story i just see them all equal because i still see them more as the game version than i do like i'd say let's maybe end with like shang Tsung. he's probably like the he's the big baddie baddie okay all right well then actually let's start with his lieutenant let's start with goro probably do a little bit better on the cg yes I, however, would want a little bit of realism. I, don't, I wouldn't want
0: it to be too CG. So it's it to be like mocap at least. Maybe a little mocap.
1: Maybe a little robotics because they can do it a little bit better now. Mm-hmm. His proportion in the movie looked way <laughs> off.
0: Yeah, his torso was yeah. monstrous.
1: Yeah, because in the game, it just looks like he has two arms, like one like almost immediately below yeah. the other one. But in that one, he looked like they literally had two torsos right on top of each other and way too much space. So I wanted to go with someone who could be intimidating. Not someone who's really known for mocap, but I think could work really well with this role. I for Goro,
0: I chose Dave Bautista. Oh, that's a good choice. And he's got a good voice. Yeah. He could he could he could do the voice well too. And he could like do like the fighting mocap. Right. I like that choice. Wow. That's a good call. I like that one a lot actually. So who is your new pick? My new pick because <laughs> I I didn't think about the the mocap actor at all i just went with voice and that was my initial thought before
1: i changed it to to bautista that's
0: yeah that's good i yeah i only thought about voice and i chose kevin michael richardson who is a fantastic (laughs) voice actor who has done so many things that i couldn't even know everything he did apparently he did the voice of goro (laughs) (laughs) and so i had to cut him out right in the middle Because, I mean, he's fan. You've heard his voice. He's done so many things from, like, The Family Guy in The Cleveland Show to almost every video game that has, like, a deep voice, baddie character. I think he's done, like, Apocalypse on some shows or video games from Marvel. He's definitely done Darkseid on animated DC shows before.
2: As surely as Superman will fall, Lex Luthor's activities must be closely monitored. Do I make myself clear, Kanto?
0: His voice is perfect for Goro, and that's funny that I even said, "Wow, I really I like his voice, but I want to you know have it something similar." Anyway, I went with another deep voice actor who acted side by side with Dave Bautista. (laughs) I went with Vin Diesel as my Goro. He actually probably would be okay to do some of the mo-cap, mocap and you know probably some of the fighting stuff because he's an action guy even though he's a little older now yeah Vin Diesel was my choice for Goro that's not bad uh I think I like Dave Deist better but but Vin Diesel he does good low low deep voice stuff yeah he, I mean
1: he could do the voice yeah. justice
0: all right Kano who was
1: Japanese in the video game and then they made him Australian in the movie even though the oh. actor who played him was English yeah. not Australian
0: I didn't know that he was I didn't realize that he, he was, was Japanese, Japanese. American Okay. Japanese American
1: in the in the in the game. I did not cast that. Oops. I didn't either. I, okay. changed, I changed some of the, some of the yeah. stuff up. Some of it I didn't leave as what was in the game. I'd like to hear your pick first.
0: I went with a guy who he's actually kind of done a character fairly similar to the Kano from the movie. Uh, he played Captain Boomerang in Suicide Squad. I like him a lot actually, and I've been wanting to cast him in something. I've liked him ever since Spartacus. I really really liked seasons one and two of the Star Show Spartacus, and he was in season one of that. His name is Jai Courtney. Uh, He's not a fantastic actor. You know, if you've ever saw Terminator Genesis, it's not that good of a movie. Suicide Squad is an atrocious piece of trash. But I like him. His Captain Boomerang was actually very similar to the Kano from the movie. And I was okay with that. And I didn't (laughs) mind that style. And so, yeah, I I went... (laughs) very, very okay. similar. I went Jai Courtney.
1: You could almost transplant the actors and I almost wouldn't know the difference. Yeah. Other than just a little bit on the look. So I went a little different. I changed mine up a little bit. Mm-hmm. I wanted my Kano to be a little bit more menacing. So I actually went with an actor who hasn't been acting that long. He was actually a musician before he became an actor. He's got a great look. Uh, he plays the bad guy Tobias Whale on the show Black Lightning. His name is Marvin Jones III. Also goes by Crondon. That was his uh stage name but he's great on black lightning he has this big hmm. menacing look and he's got he's got a unique features uh he's an african-american guy with albinoism mm-hmm. but like he just he looks mean he and does I, and i think you put that cybernetic eye on him and he will look like a bad and they could train him to fight and do some stuff like that but i think he would really yeah really work as a cano yeah he
0: looks intimidating he he looks like he's actually got some muscle into him too oh yeah um, he's built yeah he's built. I like the look of that choice, and yeah, kind of going off onto your own kind of style, I think, yeah, it's a good choice. I I haven't seen Black Lightning, so I can't speak to his acting, but boy's got the look. Yeah. So he's got a cool look that would fit really well uh, with Kano. Yeah. All right. Now we're going to uh, move into the realm of the characters Adam didn't want to cast. (laughs) Because there's no need to cast them, in my opinion. Because their faces are completely covered with ninja masks. And so all you need is good fighters. And then you can pick any voice actor because you don't need these people to be good actors. But I said, fuck you. We're going to do it anyway. (laughs) Yes.
1: So uh, we'll start with Sub-Zero. I went with an actor who's not really... actually known too much in the u.s i went with an actor named tatsuya fujiwara P- apologize if i butchered his name he might be best known to american audiences for being in the movie battle royale which was apparently kind of the inspiration for the hunger games
0: yeah very very good movie if you haven't seen it really strong film
1: and it's done a lot of, of kind of period and martial arts pieces in in japan he's got a good look to him and i think he'd probably work well
0: Okay, I didn't think much because I didn't <laughs> I don't I think these characters need a casting <laughs> to, to spend my time on So I thought who's played like a ninja before and so I went with a Korean actor a lot of Korean action films But he was storm shadow in G.I. Joe retribution and his name is Hun Lee mm-hmm. And so he's done the ninja before so I'm having him be a ninja again <laughs> Okay, all right. That's an interesting call uh,
1: let's move on to Scorpion. The coolest character in all of yeah.
0: Mortal Kombat.
1: So, I'm going to jump in with this one. Okay. I went a little differently with this one. So, I kind of actually looked for someone who I didn't care whether or not they spoke. Because to me, Scorpion can not speak. I actually yeah. wouldn't mind if Sub-Zero, like, had a little bit of context to mm-hmm. him. but Because when Scorpion pulls off his mask, it's just a skull underneath. So, I went with a guy who's not an actor. His name is, and I'm going to butcher this name, Demetrius Chrysanitis. He is Greek. And he is one of the premier parkour freestyle artists putting videos out there okay he's amazing does, does he, amazing parkour? does he do martial arts as well kind he, of i assume you could maybe you could translate. I don't know. scorpion's big move is to like throw something yeah i would just like to see him move a little bit he can obviously move he does he does like flips and stuff like that so i they could train him enough to do all this stuff but i lo- like i loved the videos i watched of him so i was like you know what he'd make a cool scorpion change it up a little
0: bit okay uh we've got our parkour millennial scorpion <laughs> <laughs> fuck you adam yeah. <laughs> exactly and I'm going to parkour everywhere. Uh, okay. Okay. Uh, I, I didn't think about this one as well. If I cast Storm Shadow as my <laughs> Sub-Zero, I cast Snake Eyes as my Scorpion. I went Ray Park. Duh. That's an easy fucking move. Drop the mic. I fucking won that one. We're done with Scorpion and Sub-Zero. <laughs> Ray Park. We've cast him in multiple things, though, but he's a fantastic martial artist and yeah. stunt actor, so he would be perfect for Scorpion. Yeah, he works. And he already played a ninja, and so I know he could do it again. Yeah. And he, he've already fought against uh, Byung-hun Lee, and so do it again. Fuck it. Okay.
1: <laughs> uh, Katana. Kind of useless in the movie. Could probably do something with her or at least make her more of a fighter. I'd like to hear your pick first.
0: Yeah, I went with uh, a good actress who I think is kind of even more up and coming. She's been in some stuff recently. Very much be happy to see her more. Some of the stuff that she's been in hasn't been great, but she was in Kong Skull Island. She was in Great Wall, the Matt Damon Whitewash movie. (laughs) And she was in the most recent Pacific Rim Uprising film. Her name is Tian Jing. And I would love to see her as my Katana.
1: All right, that's a good, that's a solid pick. Mm -hmm. That's a solid pick. I went with uh, an actress who actually hasn't done too much. Her first movie that really she made any waves in was Suicide Squad. And she, oh. oddly enough, also played a character named Katana. <laughs> yeah. And I went with Karen Fukuhara. Oh, that's with an A. <laughs> yes. With, yeah. Katana with an A as opposed to Katana with an I. No,
0: I, I like that choice. That, that works.
1: I thought she actually thought she played that character pretty well.
0: As much as you could as in as that could, fucking yeah. awful movie. Yes. When Cara Delvine was doing like that fucking hula hoop dancing. You know oh, yeah. what I'm talking about? She looked like one of those inflatable things at a car sale. <laughs> you know, when she was trying 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 to like do her sorceress dance evil thing while she's going crazy. Oh, sorry, yeah. Fucking Oscar-winning Suicide Squad. Oscar winning. God damn it. Okay, all right.
1: I don't want to think about that shit anymore. Moving (laughs) on, moving on. Okay. Johnny Cage, our Hollywood bad boy. Again, I want to hear your pick first on this. Okay.
0: I didn't need like a a fantastic actor because Johnny Cage is kinda cheesy. Um he's someone who, you know, even though he is an actor, this role. Would be. I, I thought that, honestly, the guy who who did it in the '95 movie did mm-hmm. pretty good job. Um, Lyndon Ashby. I thought he kind of worked fairly well. I I would have liked someone who has a, even more martial arts background uh-huh. um, and do that. So that's kind of how I went. I went with a guy Scott Atkins, who is a stunt guy, and he was very famously Weapon Eleven slash Deadpool in the shitty movie X Men Origins. But he's done a lot of
1: stuff. Yeah, he was Ryan Reynolds' body double. Yeah,
0: he knows action. He knows martial arts and he's got the look if you and he's done like a lot of acting on his own not just stunts recently Mm -hmm. and i think he has got a good hollywood look to him he's a he's kind of a pretty boy i mean if you're going to be a stand-in for ryan reynolds you got to be a pretty boy and i almost i even have ryan reynolds on on my list as a Mm -hmm. potential but scott atkins is my choice it's funny that you say that because if you're going to be a stand-in for ryan reynolds
1: why not just go with ryan reynolds (laughs) which is what i did (laughs) He is a Hollywood pretty boy. He can do the action. It would probably shift the movie or, or the series. Well, it depends on how you do it. Yeah. He would probably be the top billed guy. Yeah, it's
0: hard not to have him be the lead. The top guy. But
1: I think you know it would work. Johnny Cage has some humor in him, just in the concept of it himself. Yeah. And I, I like your pick. But I think Ryan Reynolds is the <laughs> superior pick. I
0: even, Ryan Reynolds is one yeah. of the other ones that I wrote down. And he is a good choice. He would, he'd be a much bigger name for it. So. Yeah.
1: All right, moving along. Sonya Blade. Yes. Sonya Blade. I had immediately one person in mind. And then I didn't want to pick her because I had already used her before. Mm. But no matter who I went to, I came back to her. I tried to find people who I knew could do fighting mm-hmm. scenes and stuff like that. Also, like someone who I believe was a cop. I, I had a hard time a little bit with the way Bridget Nielsen. I mean I guess she had an okay look but I don't know I just
0: I, I didn't mind I think she looked very similar to the at uh, least the, 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 uh, the video game character yeah
1: my I wanted somebody who also looked a little badass Um, yeah. I, at first I actually kind of leaned towards <clears throat> well I first picked this person then I went tried to find someone else I almost picked Natalie Dormer because she had mm. kind of a neat badass she's so tiny look. I know she's so tiny that's why I ultimately didn't go with her but she had kind of like a neat badass look in the Hunger Games movies even though she wasn't really a
0: fighter in that movie yeah. either but I I ended up
1: going with a fighter. She's my go-to girl. I went with Ronda Rousey. Yeah.
0: That is a really good call, and that was who I was immediately going to choose. I <laughs> We almost had the same person there yeah. until I decided I didn't want Ronda Rousey, which she is probably the better choice because she would add some fun fighting elements, you know, and a different style, a different style. A exactly judo fighter. And, yeah. And stuff. And that is probably the call that I think would be really cool. I went a slightly different route. I went with like, she's not really an actress. She's really, I think only got two credits. And it's um, Wonder Woman in Justice League. She played uh, one of the Amazons. Okay. I went with this person Brooke Holiday Entz, E-N-C-E. She's she's like a CrossFit and bodybuilder. She looks intimidating as fuck, but she's very blonde and she's very attractive. She's got muscle and intimidation and I think she probably if she knows CrossFit and some you know other stuff like that I think she could learn some fighting moves. She definitely looks badass. Yeah she's very intimidating looking and she adds a lot a lot more muscle than even the Sonya Blade in the video game.
1: Actually she oddly enough she looks a little bit like Bridget Sampras. Yeah she's
0: kind of got she does have a little bit of that look I mean like her face and hair Uh it fits very much but then but she's like her body is like jacked yeah <laughs> yeah
1: you know i mean she definitely looked the part i did de- i definitely agree that i think ronda rousey would be the better yeah. movie
0: choice yeah she exactly if we if i was an actual hollywood person wanting my movie to be successful i would want to have a bigger name like ronda rousey right but brooke hentz's look is just right on the money for yeah. what i want so I, I won't fault you there yeah. it definitely
1: looks good uh, so I'm going to sw- kind of switch up the top okay. a little bit. Let's actually go to Liu Kang. Liu Kang. Our, our kind of, our last fighter from the movie. Yeah. Even though I think Raiden should also be a fighter. I'll go ahead and jump in. I picked someone that you've already used. My Liu Kang is Byung-hun Lee. Oh, okay. Cool. Um, That's my Sub-Zero. He did amazing martial arts and stunt work in Red 2. Mm-hmm. The sequel to the mo- to the movie Red. <laughs> oh, is, uh, is
0: that what Red 2 means? It's, it's number two of the first? Is that how it works? You're going to cut this shit yeah. out. <laughs> Not that's staying in,
1: <laughs> and yes, he also played Storm Shadow in, in, uh, in G.I. Joe. But I he's a good actor, and I think he could carry having his face out there the yeah. whole time. So that was my choice for Liu Kang.
0: He's a good choice, uh, my choice is better. But his is a good choice. I had a very easy choice uh, with Liu Kang. Once I kind of found him, I was like, oh yeah, that's obviously who it should be It My guy was in Deadpool 2 as Shatterstar, but he was also in Iron Fist as, from the show, the Netflix show Iron Fist, as the like drunken master guard. And he honestly should be Iron Fist. I think he was the guy that should have been cast as Iron Fist. His name is Louis Tan. He is a martial artist. He's got a good look. He's a good actor. He would be, an awesome Liu Kang and I want him to be a lead I want him to lead things and so I I definitely hope that he can kind of grow into a more of a lead man role I like him a lot He he is my Liu Kang it's interesting.
1: I'm not overwhelmed by that pick. Okay. I'm what right. if
0: What if we had Lewis Tan, but he had the hair from Robin Shu from the movie, that kind of puffy, poofy hair? That you know, <laughs> no, it didn't help. No, it did not help. help. Didn't help at all. We didn't talk about that at all in the movie, and yeah. I just think like, oh my god, that hair. That was yeah. a lot of hair. You know, even in the video game though, he has like a headband to keep it out of his eyes, but not in the movie. Yeah. Like he should have kept that shit out of his face. <laughs>
1: all right, let's move on to the Lord of Thunder. Ray Raiden, one of my favorite characters from the game. Mm -hmm. I'll go ahead and jump in for this one. I wanted somebody established. I went a little older. You probably could have gone younger for Raiden. Um, Yeah, I mean, because he's like, he is a god. You can
0: really be almost any
1: age. I wanted someone who was a tried and true martial arts actor, but was a good actor on top of it. I went with the Ip Man himself. I went with Donnie Yen.
0: Oh, okay. From Rogue One. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I I am one with the Force. The Force is one with me. I am
1: the Force and the Force. I'm with... Well, I don't even I'm remember. one
0: with the Force. The Force is one with me. Something like that. Whatever. Fuck it. Um, I went with Donnie Yen, too. I liked him a lot. Yeah. yeah. Hey, good High drive. five. Woo. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I went through a bunch of different people. I even thought of possibly using Robin Chu, uh, uh-huh. you know, who was Liu Kang, as my Raiden. But Donnie Yen, strong actor. Yeah. He's been in so many different things. He would make a damn good Raiden. Yeah. So good choice. Good choice. Good choices there. <laughs> All right. Now our
1: bad guy, Shang Tsung. Our final battle our boss guy I'd like to hear your pick first yeah
0: I really really like my pick and I don't care who you're gonna say my pick is gonna win I went with a Korean actor he has been a villain before in the movie I saw the devil which I didn't actually see but I saw him in the movie old boy which is an amazing film if you if you haven't seen old boy don't do not watch the Josh Brolin piece of trash remake that they that they Americanized watch the Korean original movie old boy from 2003 fantastic film this guy is a little bit older, but for Shang Tsung, he's a sorcerer. He doesn't have to be a badass super martial artist. This guy, hopefully, I think he could maybe maybe drop a couple pounds if he needed to. But like, he could be a good sorcerer, and he is intimidating. He's a really good actor. His name is Min Se Choi, Korean. He he was old boy in that film. I am very happy to. him. Oh, he was him. the
1: main bad guy in
0: Lucy. Oh, which I never saw. But yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Yeah. No, you know what? It's, that's a that's a good pick. Yeah. That's a good solid pick. You know, one thing we didn't mention when we talked about it, but the actual character of Shang Tsung was actually modeled and inspired by the character of Lo Pan.
0: That makes so much sense. From uh,
1: Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah. I did not go with the same actor. I went with a little bit better known actor and not someone who's known for playing bad guys. In fact, I don't know if he's ever really played a bad guy. But you know what? I think he would make the final battle a little bit more interesting. Um, and especially if I could see a Raiden Shang Tsung final battle. I'm with Jackie Chan. Oh,
0: yeah. I tried not to get Jackie Chan. Yeah, it's hard for me to think of him as a villain. That's why, but that's uh, why I think it would be interesting. Yeah, I just don't know. I'm not gonna poo-poo on your on your I mean, choice. And, I
1: know he's a sorcerer, but at the end of the day, it still is a martial arts yeah, game. Yeah, yeah, which so, I think my guy could do just fine too. And I think I I think it would be a nice branch out for him. I don't know if he would actually ever do it. Yeah, because he seems to kind of like he's very much on his own brand. Yeah, um, yeah, and but
0: he, it, he doesn't even do too much like martial arts stuff anymore because he's he's getting up there. I guess he does have Rush Hour three coming up or four or whatever it is, and we'll see we'll see how much martial arts he does in that movie right i
1: think he would still make a, a solid Shang song if he if he could you know find his villain All voice
0: right. you like yours i like mine but really? we, we both like Donnie Yen. yes <laughs> and we both like byung hun lee just yeah. for
1: different things yes cool then that is our casting for mortal kombat
0: Please join us next time for a very silly episode. We review A Goofy Movie from 1995, we review the 90s cartoon Tailspin, and we do a fan casting of the Marvel team Great Lakes Avengers.
1: If you have any questions or any suggestions for movies or TV shows you'd like for us to review as part of your childhood, you can reach us at blastfromourpast@gmail.com, at gmail.com or you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at, at BlastPastCast.com. That's at Blast Past Cast on both Facebook and Twitter. So until next time, I'm John. And I'm Adam. And thanks for joining us. See you next time.